Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 292. New water slides, dining venues, a redesigned pool deck, blow-dry bar are just a few of the major changes Royal Caribbean recently completed to Navigator of the Seas. We had a chance to check out the big changes Royal Caribbean made to Navigator, and this week we walked through with all of you what stood out about Royal Caribbean's $115 million investment. Here we go. Picking a cruise ship to sail on often considers what is available to see, do, and eat on board. And with Royal Caribbean's Royal Amplified program, Royal Caribbean is significantly stepping up what each ship offers with some incredible new offerings. And the latest ship to get amped up is Navigator of the Seas. With new water slides, a completely redesigned pool deck, new dining venues, activities, and more, Royal Caribbean is doubling down on what they call bold new options for guests to try out. And recently, Royal Caribbean invited me to go check out some of these new changes on Navigator during a crew preparation sailing. And this week, I want to talk all about what's new and interesting about Navigator of the Seas. And to help me break down the changes to Navigator, I turned to a friend and partner in wine that I had the chance to sail with on Navigator of the Seas. It's Gina Kramer, editor at CruiseCritic.com. Welcome to the show, Gina. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. Absolutely. And uh, Gina, you and I had a very special opportunity to check out Navigator uh, just at the tail end of her refurbishment, seeing some of those final touches being applied there, Gina. And, you know, there's so much to talk about because I feel like Royal Caribbean has added a lot to this ship. It's not a just, hey, let's, you know, refurb, you know, uh, redo the carpeting and maybe add a new dining venue. There was a lot that was added here. In fact, you know, taking a step back for a second, I, I don't know about you, but I felt like there was a lot more than I was expecting once I actually stepped on board uh, based purely on the information we had beforehand. Was that kind of your take as well? Oh, I totally agree, Matt. And the funny thing with this is, you know, ships routinely undergo maintenance. You know, they'll enter refurbi- refurbishments every few years or so. And that usually entails cosmetic updates, maybe a few venue tweaks here and there. But what's interesting about Navigator of the Seas, and actually also, you know, all the other ships that are undergoing the Royal Amplified upgrades, is that this is a complete transformation. I mean, this ship did not feel like the same ship as before. So anyone who sailed on Navigator of the Seas before will be very surprised. Yeah, I I was to say surprised is, the, is a good good in a, in a good way because I felt like there was a lot that was over here. And boy, I mean, they just added a ton of stuff. So we're going to, I thought today we could just talk about kind of things that really stood out to us because Gina and I are about a week away from when we had to leave Navigator and go back to real life. I know. Um, that's, it, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so in between the, uh, the sulking, we've kind of compiled our notes here on stuff that really stood out to us. And, you know, uh, I, let's start with the pool deck because I think that's naturally where a lot of people want to head up immediately to check out the big changes that are there. And the arguably the biggest change really is the fact that the pool, the entire pool deck, deck eleven, got changed out. I mean, it is I cannot think of another Royal Caribbean ship that has had this type of or this scale of change. Where Royal Caribbean calls this a new Caribbean resort style deck, and that includes also a splash pad for little kids. There's some new dining options on there. Uh, what did you think, Gina, about the new pool deck? What stood out to you? Well, you know, as soon as I stepped on. Foot, you know, foot into the pool deck, I, you know, vacation mode hit instantly. So you don't have to worry about like, 
you know, a few hours in, it's five o'clock somewhere literally on this pool deck because you're going to feel like you're on vacation as soon as you step foot and enter that pool deck. And they did a beautiful job with the Caribbean inspired concept. I think that, you know, the new uh, Lime and Coconut Bar, for example, which is an all new bar to Royal Caribbean debuting on Navigator of the Seas, sort of sets the tone for the whole pool deck. It's this gorgeous, you know, three deck space. The main level is on, you know, on the same level as the pool. And it's really just got a nice, fun, festive, communal vibe. You know, there's a there's a pedal bike there where you can blend your own margaritas, which is a you know an awesome photo op. But just the colors of the venue and the whole you know the the energy there, and you know one deck above from there, there's a balcony, and another deck above that is a rooftop. And so those are just gorgeous additional little lounging spaces where you can hang out, soak up some sun by the day. And at night, you know, the string lights turn on and it illuminates this whole open air lounge kind of concept, which is actually great because that means that the pool deck isn't just a daytime attraction. I mean, you can hang out there literally all day as long as you want into the night. It just kind of, you know, morphs into these different moods depending on what hour it is. I think another interesting addition that Royal Caribbean made to the pool deck on Navigator of the Seas was that they actually enlarged their pools which I thought was really interesting. And I learned they did this by not expanding on the deep water space, but actually taking some deck area and creating shallow waiting space where they have in-water loungers for people to chill, dip their toes in the water. So they really changed up the look, not only by adding new decor and artwork, but also by enlarging the pool and then adding this beautiful three-level, you know, lime and coconut pool bar. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said there. Especially, I love the idea of that of the just the waiting area in the pool because inevitably, what you know, people aren't necessarily looking to go on a Royal Caribbean cruise and do laps in the pool, right? Like in an Olympic style swimming pool, they just want to hang out. It's a social scene. It is if you've ever been on. I think most cruise ships, in fact, if you see people in the pool, they're just kind of hanging out, and it's a great way to cool off, obviously, in the warmer months of the year. And I think the fact that you've had this little shallow area where you can just sit down and maybe enjoy a drink and stay cool, I think is a great idea. Uh, and and certainly when you see it in person, that was one thing I was, you know, I was looking at the renderings. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. And then when you saw it in person, I was like, oh, this totally makes sense, right? I could definitely understand the flow of it. And I think it's going to be a huge hit for, for guests who are on there. Love that idea. And I agree with you about the lime and coconut. Uh, I, I got a little story. So on the first night of the cruise... I was like, oh, I got to make a mental note. I'm going to go up to the pool deck and get some photos at night, you know, so for, for the blog. And usually on most on most Royal Caribbean ships, if you go up to the pool deck past, I don't know, five o'clock or so, you've there's not a whole lot of people up there. And this was the opposite in this situation, because with the lime and coconut, they have live music playing there. They've got the the drinks are flowing. It was uh, it was definitely a party. I really have to say that's the best word to describe it. And that's a welcome change because it really does add so much more to uh, to the experience for guests who want to enjoy uh, what I consider to be a big part of of, you know, being down in warm weather, going being outside and enjoying that warm weather. I, I completely agree with you there. And I also think that it it actually extends their opportunity to spend time outside by the pool. You know, they've got the, you know, Johnny Rockets Express, the new El Loco Fresh restaurant for, you know, tacos and burritos. So they've got their food venues there. They've got their bar for drinks. They have the pool and then the little open air lounge at Lime and Coconut. And I mean, you know, when the clock strikes, you know, 5 p.m., they don't have to rush back into their cabins to go get ready for dinner. I mean, they can really just 
lays away by the pool all day if they want. And then, you know, a few hours in, the outdoor movie kicks on on the pool deck screen. People can, you know, they'll bring out their little popcorn machine. So you really can make a full day of it by the pool. Absolutely. It's, it's, I think that was definitely a, if I had to rate it, I would say better than I expected, uh, certainly, with that pool deck. And they've just done a fantastic job with it. I also like the changes they did to, you know, adding like those little cabanas and just generally more uh, seating uh, across both decks 11 and 12. And um, I know some of these changes are things that we've seen on Mariner of the Seas, a sister ship that, reser- that received a similar but different uh, refurbishment recently. That was uh, last year, in fact. And I just I think it's a really nice touch, especially those those. I think you and I both asked Royal Caribbean. We're like these cabanas. Like, how does that work? And in terms of like getting one, and we were joking that it's going to be a whole new competition now to see who's going to grab the cabanas early in the morning. Yes, and we can totally see you know a whole new group of (laughs) quote unquote cabana hogs. um, You know, morphing from the chairs. You know, going from the chairs to the to the casitas as they call them, but. I think it's really neat that they've added all this additional, you know, seating, the the casitas and the hammocks up on the deck above and those little clamshell loungers. Uh, I think that another good thing to note is, you know, the pool deck now that it's got the shallow waiting area is most likely going to draw some more families just because it's, you know, it's got that shallow space where, you know, parents can play with their kids. I, I know that there's the, the adjacent the adjacent splash area, but, you know, with all this shallow space at the main pool now, there's, there's probably going to be an influx of families there. So I think the fact that there is all this additional seating, the cabanas, the hammocks, the clamshells, the additional loungers, the balcony above lime and coconut, like, you know, adults who might want to take advantage of all the Lido deck energy without being right in the middle of all the, you know, all the kids and stuff can just shoot right up the next deck and, you know, take advantage of all those different, you know, all the different variety of seating. There's also two more hot tubs up there overlooking the pool deck. So they really, it's a, it's a really great layout that accommodates, you know, every person and every mood and what they're looking for. So, yeah. Those, uh, those hot tubs on Deck 12 are kind of interesting, too, because they weren't filled when we were there. And we were looking at them like, I think that's a hot tub on Deck 12, which is unusual because usually the hot tubs are down below on the main pool deck. And I think it's a really great idea. I mean, it just you know helps distribute crowds. And look, let's face it, at the end of the day, there's always demand for people to go hang out in hot tubs. So I love that change. I love it, too. It actually, for me, conjured up images of the Oasis class, how they have those hot tubs kind of overlooking the you know the central park on the top deck and so i thought that was a really neat addition especially too because there's the one main hot tub down by the pool and you know of course because there's a lot of families there you're probably going to see more kids so if you do want to to kind of escape all that bustle you can head up to deck 12 and you can take advantage of those two additional hot tubs with all the you know cute seating around so yeah, absolutely. If that's not, it's it's a lot of cool things that have changed up there, and uh, you know, the, while the pool decks received a lot of changes, uh, there's an equal amount, if not more, changes uh, below on the ship, down on the basically around and surrounding, maybe a deck or two plus or minus one, the Royal Promenade, and a lot has changed here. And I'm actually going to start off with uh, Gina and I both took it upon ourselves in the name of science to both take try out something. Uh, in, you know, it's a report for you guys, not for us. It wasn't really about us at all. And Gina got a chance to try out to dry for the first standalone blow dry bar at sea. And I took it upon myself to try Riptide, uh, which Rail Carbon says is the industry's only head first mat racer water slide. 
So I'll start with you, Gina, with two dry for something that my wife was. I had no idea what a blow dry bar was. Begin to begin with, she had explained it to me. I'm like, oh, that's a thing. She's like, yes. I'm like, okay. Uh, so let's explain. What do you think about two dry for? So as a female with very thick, long, curly hair, this <laughs> this venue is pretty much heaven sent for me. Um, you know, I know that you could, you know, I could easily go up to the salon if I really wanted to and, and get a blowout the night before if I didn't feel like, you know, doing my hair for formal night or whatever. I mean, and, and that's, this is sort of what this venue is saying that it's going to, to take out of the equation for you because getting ready whether or not it's formulae is such a pain in the butt. I mean, especially if you've got long hair, it's time consuming. You got to leave the pool early, go up to the cabin, take a shower, dry your hair, style it, do whatever. And it's just like, that's just something you don't want to do on vacation. And yes, you can go up to the salon. But what I really love about to dry for is that it, it takes that blowout service and turns it into an experience that you can enjoy either alone or if you're traveling with a group of friends, even kids there, you know, the whole group of, of of gals can go and get their hair done before dinner. They actually even say you can show up with wet hair if you don't feel like trying to dry it or whatever beforehand. But it's just it's a really neat experience. I mean, it's in the Royal Promenade. It's this cute little space, very chic decor, um, you know, hot pink walls and just like really trendy atmosphere. And you sit around this, you know, kind of square table with all these little uh, salon stations. And there's this menu where you can select different blowouts. And there, I mean, the names are just hilarious. You got to love them. There's, you know, I want to say beach don't kill my vibe. I woke up like this, just like really fun do's, you know, <laughs> that kind of represent different looks. But I think what, what is kind of priceless about this venue. So for example, the services are a flat fee of $39 and you, with that, you get your hairdo and a glass of champagne or water. Uh, of course, you can add on special treatments like keratin and all that stuff. But the flat fee for the blowout itself is 39 with the glass of champagne. And it's just it's so cool how they turned it into an experience like this where you can just go, you know, it's a very social atmosphere, get your hair done, chat with your girlfriends, sip your bubbly and, you know, just have a really good time up there. And that's something that you can't really do in a salon when there's just all these other people getting different services. So I really love that they kind of pulled that out and are highlighting, you know, the whole getting ready kind of experience, getting jazzed up for for your night out on the town, in this case, night out on Royal Promenade. And uh, just it, it just really turns it into a fun experience. I actually spoke with one of the service members there who said eventually they will offer eyelash extension services at to dry for, which I think will be another popular feature for for girls who want to get ready. Oh, nice. That's uh, yeah. some breaking news right here. I like that. Yeah. Uh, and I think you said you used the word experience. And I think maybe, and again, I'm not a female, don't have long hair, can't relate all that well. Uh, but it, I feel like, the, it, correct me if I'm wrong, Gina, that this the fact that what they present here at 2 Dry 4 is more of an experience than going up to the salon near the spa and having your hair done. Nothing wrong with that by any means. But I think it's more of a scene type approach where like you're you know it's somewhere you go to socialize and i think there's to me that feels like that's part of what the to to drive for is all about is that is that fair to say 
It is very fair to say. And actually, if you think about it, I mean, the the $39 fee for the blowouts and the glass of champagne, I mean, that price alone is comparable to a blowout or a hairstyling you'd get up at the salon without that experience element to it. So I think it's it's a really good, you know, bang for the buck for those who do want to, you know, make that experience out of it and and not want to worry about, you know, getting ready for dinner, especially if it's usually a time consuming, tedious process for them. Absolutely. Uh, now, the other big feature that they've added on Navigator this season are the two water slides. And when we were on there, unfortunately, the blaster slide was still being worked on. They were still testing it and, and fine-tuning it, essentially. But I did get a chance to ride the Riptide, which uh, this is Royal Caribbean says the only the industry's only uh, headfirst mat racer water slide. And I've been on Royal Caribbean's water slides before, and I've always liked them. You know, they were fine and everything like that. But I don't think I was quite prepared for how fast this slide was. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was... Standing out there waiting for my turn to go, I was like, I'm, I'm going on this slide. I, there's no way I'm not going on this slide. And finally, I had a chance to go on the slide after they got it up and going. And, you know, I it's it's a, basically you grab this map. It's a, you may have done this at a local water park or where have you. And essentially, you go on, it's head first, so you're laying on your belly. And you go down the slide. And it's nice that uh, you're going on, there's the mat in this situation. Because I've gone on other Royal Caribbean water slides which have no mat, you just slide down it. And the only problem with that is that I've always felt like it's been a little too slow. In fact, I've, I've talked about this on the podcast. I've actually gotten stuck on the slide, and you have to do the little scoot thing to get, to get you moving again. <laughs> Be terrified. Um, so this was the complete opposite. And I, went, and I went so fast down the slide, when I got to the bottom, I think I was almost like in shell shock. <laughs> like I was like, they were asking me, like, how was it? I was like, it was great. <laughs> and they, uh, they were like, do you want to do it again? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> so just ran back up to the uh, the stairs and checked it. I did it a second time, and I was really impressed with Riptide. Which, by the way, if I had before the cruise, if I had said Matt, if you were to rank which two slides you'd rather, which one do you think would be more fun or you know more interesting or things that would be more exhilarating, I think the Blaster would have been that. So the fact that the, my second choice, Riptide, was so exhilarating, I can't even imagine what Blaster is like, and I love the fact that it is not only something fun to do, it's not just like another water slide that Royal Caribbean took this opportunity to say, look, we've added these water slides before on Harmony of the Seas, Symphony of the Seas, you know, Mariner, Adventure, Liberty. We've had water slides before. This is not the first ship to get it. But they said, okay, let's now, you know, innovate and bring two new slides we haven't seen before. And I think that's really going to factor into a lot of families' decisions because the the Riptide just was, it. I, I was so impressed by it. I had such a fun time. And uh, I, I really am now like, oh, I got to bring my kids on this. I am so jealous you got to ride on the Riptide. <laughs> you just told me about the experience. I was like, I have to get back on and try this slide. But you you make a really good point about you know the fact that these these two slides are you know they just add to the whole family friendly aspect of the ship. And what is really cool in particular about the Blaster is the fact that you can actually go with a friend because they've got you know the single rafts or you can get on a, a double raft with with somebody else, and so you can make it. You know, you can get a shared experience in that sense. Um, so I, I can't wait to hopefully, you know, someday we'll get to go back on and try the blaster. But it looks like a lot of fun. Absolutely. Uh, you know, there's a lot more changes. I mean, we've only touched upon like a few of them here. Uh, let's talk about our staterooms because the staterooms did get a refresh. And uh, Gina and I were comparing notes once we got on board. It's like, did this change for you? Yeah. Okay, good. That's I, I got my list, too. And um, I noticed that the carpeting looked new. The couch was at at the very least reupholstered. I can't tell underneath if it's a the original couch or not, but 
that looks new there. There's a bed runner that's new. Even the our shower heads uh, look like they were they had been replaced, and it's definitely some nice changes. It makes it a little airier, I guess, a little a little lighter looking, which was a nice touch. I think they did a nice from an aesthetic standpoint. Not that I'm any kind of interior decorator or <laughs> of any kind, but I thought it was. I thought it looked nice. What did you think? I agree with you, and you know, it's the ship. It's undoubtedly an old ship. But they've done such an excellent job of maintaining all the spaces, you know, the public spaces, the venues and the cabins by adding these modern conveniences, as you mentioned, new shower heads, you know, updated pullout sofa, even the mattresses I heard were new. And so they're really focusing and zoning in on these, you know, areas, these little features that really mean the most to to passengers. And sure, you don't have the key card activated lighting or the USB ports everywhere, but you've got... A nice, fresh cabin with a modern feel, you know, updated shower hardware, you know, comfortable mattress. And so they really touched on all the areas, I think, that matter most to people. Absolutely. I think the aesthetics of it really – this is, I think, what you were talking about, Gene, at the top of the episode, which is that it just felt like a – I don't say like felt like a new ship, but they added so much to it. Like walking through the Windjammer, great example of this, right? Doesn't make the Windjammer – it doesn't make the press release or anything like that. But they completely redid all the windjammer. The seating looks, it's all brand new. And when you when you walk through the ship and you walk through the casino, which also has an updated look, when you walk through the windjammer and you see all these changes, it's, it's, it, I think it adds to that sense of, oh, despite the fact the ship is, you know, we're going on almost 20 years now, or maybe it is over 20 years. Um, anyway, the fact is that it's, it, it there's, there's so much that it, 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 you're not reminded of that fact. It doesn't feel like, it's that kind of an old ship. And, and I think that's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, and to touch, you know, you mentioned the casino, you had mentioned the, um, the wind jammer and also the Starland star lounge, I believe was, was significantly touched up with, with new carpeting and upholstery and paint and all that. And I think it's really important to note too, that while this was, you know, a, re- a revitalization where they transformed the pool deck, they added all these new food venues and bars and water slides and all that. They didn't sacrifice the the smaller details. Um, and, you know, this is a lot of the stuff you typically see in those routine refurbishments. Well, they'll update the cosmetics of venues and cabins and all that. So I really like the fact that it was a balance of both, adding all of these new features, you know, these really standout features to the ship, while also making sure to continue to upgrade and refresh you know, other venues, cabins, and things like that. Absolutely. Now, of course, Gene and I did not go hungry on this cruise. <laughs> Far <laughs> from it. And uh, we had a chance to check out some of the dining venues on there. One of we, we actually went to two new dining venues that were on board the ship. Uh, new, to, new to Navigator, I should say. Uh, they were Hooked Seafood and Jamie's Italian. Let's start with Jamie's Italian because, again, something I was not prepared for was the fact that uh, they have a new menu on Jamie's Italian, which we're, we were told is eventually going to make it fleet wide and i was very impressed by this new menu i always like jamie's anyway but uh i had a eggplant parm and i'll use this as the example maybe you can talk about what you ate there uh gina but the um the the eggplant usually when you get eggplant parmesan you get a slice of eggplant that is battered and fried and then it's got sauce it's almost like usually like a tower essentially but this was a whole eggplant sliced in half lengthwise so it was almost like a and then they they built it from there uh, i'm trying to think of the I can't think off the top of my head. There's a, like almost like a maybe a chili relino or something like that, where it's like the the structure, the out the exterior of the eggplant was still there, and basically you scooped in the the eggplant innards uh, while you ate the cheese and the sauce. Oh, so good! I'm hungry now. Uh, what did you think of your food? 
So the yeah, I I can actually vouch for your eggplant because you graciously let me have a bite. Um, it was like one big eggplant steak. It was delicious. What I really liked about my dining experience there was I so I actually had a custom made appetizer and then I ordered pasta as my entree. And I found out recently that I have a, an allergy to yeast, um, which actually has a lot of correlation with. Uh, you know, gluten. So for example, a lot of gluten-free products are naturally yeast-free. Um, I found so far still new and learning, but I thought it was really cool how in Jamie's, and I've actually noticed this in a lot of the other food venues too, that they not only advertise, you know, gluten-free and other meals that accommodate, you know, special dietary restrictions, but they're also so willing to put to, to custom make dishes for you that, you know, that are friendly to your diet. And so I had let them know ahead of time, of course, but they were able to whip up something special for me and made sure that it was something that I could eat. And it didn't sacrifice, you know, flavor was not sacrificed one bit. It was a delicious meal that didn't even taste like it was, you know, gluten free or lacking these certain ingredients. And I just thought that they went above and beyond to accommodate me. And I, you know, I noticed that that was a, a common theme throughout the other dining venues on board. And I think Royal Caribbean has always done a really great job with, you know, making sure they cater to these special, you know, dietary needs. Absolutely. And I think you touched upon a really good tip in general, regardless if you're selling on Navigator or any ship in, in Royal Caribbean's fleet, which is that while they do a great job off the bat of offering, you know, vegetarian, kosher, low sodium, gluten-free options, don't feel don't feel bad about just asking or inquiring uh, about additional options or choices or, you know, you spot something in the menu and it's like, well, this would be great, except if it didn't have that thing, you know, it doesn't hurt to ask. And to your point, Gina, they were really accommodating over-accommodating, in fact, when they were like, Gina, how about this? And you're like, yeah, that sounds good. Or we can make like this, this, and this, and this. It's like, okay. <laughs> that too, yeah, they sure. basically created a new uh, menu item there for me. I'm like, you should add this on. It was really good. <laughs> <laughs> now, we also got a chance to eat at Hooked Seafood, and um, that was a kind of a, a neat little chance change there. Uh, by the way, we should mention uh, Jamie's Italian uh, replaced Giovanni's Table up on deck 11 by the Windjammer, and then Hooked replaced Sabor uh, on deck four by the schooner bar. And what blew me away by hooked, forget the food for a second, was how much sunlight there was. Because, Gina, you know, I'm not sure if you've ever been in the in Sabor in its current form, or its previous form, I should say, on Navigator. It was very dark. It was the former nightclub, so there was no natural light. And uh, going into hooked, I was I was so surprised that they, they basically they added some portholes, which added natural light and really cha- transformed the venue. Uh, meta- metaphorically and literally, and <laughs> it it was a uh, such a pretty area to sit in, and certainly we I think we both enjoyed our, our dinner there as well. Yes, I, I love too that I mean the the whole kind of laid back, cozy, nautical theme hits you as soon as you walk through the door with the you know the cold market right up front. Uh, you know you see the the fresh oysters and all these other you know seafood options, and then just the the little chic you know seating nooks and things like that it's such a nice beautiful intimate space i think they did an excellent job with it here on the ship you know given its location and you know the food just was the cherry on top so absolutely uh it was it was a great little spot and then we also got a chance again in the name of research friends uh we got a chance to go over to the bamboo room which is the uh polynesian themed watering hole and as well as playmaker sports bar and arcade and, you know, I think in both situations, these are such great hits. And I, and I love 
having them so close to each other in on the promenade. So each evening of the cruise or the afternoon or the morning, whichever <laughs> whichever works out, you just it's it's natural just to gravitate towards this area and just go from like one to the other and then head over to the R bar and then you know there's just so many great places to enjoy. But I love how theme well themed the bamboo room was especially. This is my first time in the bamboo room. I had not a chance to experience it yet on Mariner in the Seas. And I I'm really digging this spot. It's it's so cool in there. I, it, it feels like maybe because of the fact it's so well enclosed, it doesn't feel like I'm on the promenade necessarily. Like it, it's there's a little more separation. Does that make sense? Like it, it's almost like self-absorbed. It does, and it, it funny enough, it actually also was my favorite time, uh, my my first time in the bamboo room, and I felt the same way. I mean, you were just kind of tucked away in this cute Polynesian themed, you know, uh, space with all this sort of vintage style decor, and then of course the theme drinks to go along with it. I really loved that they had not that we took advantage of this, but the the punch bowls for sharing. I thought were a cute touch, and it's just a really nice space. Um, you know, to complement all the other offerings on the Royal Promenade, which I think makes for a fun, like, you know, bar crawl opportunity one night. You you have so many options to, to go from one to the other, and all of them, you know, boast their own, you know, little identities and, and personalities. And it's just a lot of fun to have all those different options. Absolutely. And, you know, to kind of take this all now, and there's much more. They've added Starbucks. They've added the escape room. You've got a redesigned Adventure Ocean. Uh, there's laser tag. I, I mean, Blow there's just a ton- laser tag. <laughs> right, exactly. Right, right. Uh, the rock climbing wall is still there. Uh, Flow Rider. I mean, there's a ton of stuff on this ship. And really, the only thing I, I'm really, as I was driving back from Miami, Gina, and I was thinking to myself, looking at this, what's, is there a problem? The only thing I can think of is for, this is a cruise for three and four nighters. There's not enough time to do all this stuff. Yeah, I mean, you you pretty much summed it up perfectly. I think that what's really cool about this refurb and the fact that the ship focuses on short cruises is that, I mean, historically, you know, if you wanted to take a three or a four night sailing, most of the time you would only be able to find these itineraries on older ships that didn't really have all these bells and whistles. And I think what's really cool that Royal Caribbean and even other ships and, you know, other cruise lines in the industry are doing are in, you know, investing and doing these big fleet wide reefer programs that are really revitalizing, you know, all of their ships, including those that sail short cruises. And I think that's a really important note to make. um, Because when you think of short cruises, it's not only just people that are short on it's not only just people that are short on time and money, but a lot of it is is first time cruisers. And so I think that this is a great way to to capture the attention, you know, and and really just make a great lasting first impression on first time cruisers that'll make them want to come back for more because they are a lot of the times the ones who are sailing on these shorter cruises to kind of dip their toes into cruising and see if they like it. So, I mean, if they, you know, if a first time cruiser tried out Navigator of the Seas, I think they'd be coming back for more. So I think it's a really smart move by Royal Caribbean to, to upgrade while also finding that balance between, you know, attracting those new cruisers and staying, you know, loyal to, the Royal Caribbean, you know, top tier loyalty members and stuff. So it's a nice balance between making sure that they have, you know, they, they maintain the, the, the Royal feel with a lot of their staples, like you mentioned, rock climbing wall, flow rider, chops grill, all those things that loyal Royal cruisers love. Uh, and also, you know, putting a lot of new things out there to keep it fresh and also to attract new cruisers. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you summed it up so well, and that is such a big, 
difference maker. I remember, you know, when we started when I started RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, and we were people would ask me, you know, oh, I'm going to try Royal Caribbean for the first time. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, I'm going to go on uh, Monarch of the Seas, and it's like uh, maybe you should try Freedom of the Seas, you know. And it's like there's no compromising with that. Whether you want to do that seven night sailing, whether you want to do the three night sailing. It's incredible, and it's just now even for, for established cruisers like us who, you know, I'll admit I probably don't necessarily always look at these quick short sailings necessarily, but now it's really got me thinking because I want to go on back on board and try out all these things, and I think it's going to really be a, be a home run. I know Mariner's already done really, really well uh, with Royal Caribbean. In fact, I think it did pretty well with the last round of uh, Cruise Critic Awards as well. So, you know, it's, uh, it, I think they're, they're setting themselves up very nicely here with the lineup of ships that are going to be basically serving guests now for the next, you know, five plus years going forward. It's, 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 they, I, I generally love what they've done with Navigator. I agree. And I think that, you know, the Royal Amplified program in general is just really going to inject new life into all these ships, not just routine updates, but new life for sure. Absolutely. Now, before I let you go, Gina, since it is your first time on the podcast with us, I like to always ask our podcast guests a few questions to get them to get to know them a little bit better. So I'm just going to ask you some quick questions about how you like to cruise. So just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Does that work for you? It does. All right. Since we sailed on Navigator of the Seas, what would be your best tip for someone going on Navigator for their first time? So for someone going on Navigator of the Seas for their first time, I would say to not try to overload your schedule. And if there's anything in particular that you really want to do, whether it's dining at a specialty restaurant, booking that up to at to drive for dry bar, anything like that that would require a reservation ahead of time, try to plan out your itinerary so that you do make the most of your time, you know, whether it's a three or four night cruise and just really pace yourself when you're on board. And I think, you know, having a pool deck like the one Navigator now has, you're going to be in vacation mode instantly. So just soak it up, enjoy it, and don't try to stress yourself out by cramming too much in. I mean, it's all there for you whenever you want. That's the beauty of cruising. You know, you have as much or as little as you want to do, and you could always come back for more if you don't get through it all. Well said. Favorite restaurant on a Royal Caribbean ship? My favorite restaurant on a Royal Caribbean ship has to be 150 Central Park. And I had the pleasure of trying it for the first time on Symphony of the Seas. You know, it's funny, after being with Cruise Critic for six years, it took me that long to try out this this restaurant. But... I fell in love with the, you know, the, the menu was just wonderful. The farm to table and sti- uh, farm to table style dining. I loved the intimate atmosphere. I was there with my fiance. So we enjoyed a nice, quiet little dinner in a corner on a two top table. And the service was unparalleled. And I had a really great experience. So, of course, you know, favorite experiences like that also depend on who you're sailing with and, you know, just the, the moment. And I think it was just a really special moment with uh, my fiance and I, which we were actually sailing, I'd say a few days before he proposed. So that's what made the memory even more special. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, preferred drink while on a Royal Caribbean cruise. This is going to sound like a really boring answer, but my favorite drink on Royal Caribbean is a glass of Oberon, which is a California Cabernet Sauvignon. And I find that it's not as easy to find on a lot of 
cruise ships. So I was pleasantly surprised to, you know, to be able to find it on the menu while I was at Jamie's. And I'm a wine geek. And so I loved that my favorite Cabernet Savion was on the menu. I will have to try it out in the name of science just to see if I can back up your assertion. What's your favorite port of call to visit? I would have to say out of all the places I've cruised, my favorite port of call right now would have to be Barcelona. Mm. I just love the energy of that city. It's so walkable. I love all of the little neighborhoods, the Gothic quarter. It's definitely somewhere you want to fly in at least a night early and have some time to explore before you set sail. But definitely a great energy there. And conveniently enough, you know, Royal Caribbean cruises in the Mediterranean, that's one of their home ports. So you can definitely sail on a Royal Caribbean cruise out of Barcelona. There you go. And last question for you. What is your favorite song on the radio or your iPod today? You know, I am living under the rock in the sense that I don't have Spotify. I don't even have my iPod. I listen to Pandora, which is probably like considered old school at this point. And I listen to a lot of the same stations all the time. But lately on repeat, I've been playing a lot of Mango Tree by Zach Brown Band. And it's just got such an upbeat, fun tune to it. And I love that it's got like this kind of classical flair. And it's also just Zach Brown Band. And he's one of my favorite bands. And so I've been playing that song probably about three to five times a day. Um, Awesome. Yeah. Brown Band is is a really fun. Any of their songs are just like it's Jimmy Buffett light, I guess is the best way to put it. And it's uh you know, the the Toes in the Sand song is great. They've got so many great hits there, just so easy to listen to. And they also get you in the mood for cruising, by the way. They really do. I actually think that that song, where I've got a couple of Zach Brown Band uh, songs on my, my cruise and travel playlist, which is also a tip I, I, you know, suggest to help you get into the mood a little more, start vacation time a bit sooner, have a nice uh, playlist with all your favorite cruise and travel songs set up. There you go. Well, Gina, thank you so much for, for joining us here today. And, of course, you can follow and find Gina's uh, stuff over on CruiseCritic.com. Gina, again, thank you so much, and I hope we get a chance to do some more scientific research very, <laughs> very, very soon. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. Yeah, we got to get back on the Navigator together and then try that blaster. All right, let's answer some of your emails. This is the part of the podcast I dedicate to you with uh, answering the emails that you've sent in. And, of course, you can always email me by sending them to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Our first email today comes to us from Keith Cox, who writes, Quick question about the Adventure Ocean stuff. My kids will be 11 and 13 when we board uh, Navigator of the Seas, for the most part. Enjoy being, and they, for the most part, enjoy being around each other, I say. Since the cutoff for Adventure Ocean is 12, what options do I have if they don't want to be by themselves in Adventure Ocean and the teenager thing? They've already asked if there was a way to, for them to be together in one of those areas so my wife and I can do something else. Does Royal Caribbean make any exceptions for age? That's a really good question, Keith. And um, when it comes to the teen club, there very much is a, a big divider, a virtual divider, I should say, between Adventure Ocean, which cuts off at 11 years old, and the Teen Club, which cuts off at 12. And the thing is, the thing I always tell people is, number one, you need to ask the, uh, the basically the Adventure Ocean staff. You know, go to the, whichever, I would suspect you'd probably want to move up the 11-year-old rather than move down the 13-year-old. I don't think 13 will fly for a group that's supposed to be only up to 11. Uh, so you'd have to try that. And basically, you have to go to the Teen Club, talk to the Adventure Ocean staff there. 
And you have to be prepared for the answer to be no, but you can always ask. I mean, it kind of depends on the staff, how busy the ship is, how many other teens they're expecting, and a variety of other factors that are hard to ever anticipate. So there's nothing to lose by asking, but, um, you know, for a variety of reasons, they may not uh, go for it. And that's just simply the nature of the game that they have over there. And, uh, you know, you have to be okay with that. I I'm trying to think if there's any other alternatives that involve Adventure Ocean. I mean, there's really not. That's the thing. I mean, they, they the reason why there's children's programming specifically for these different ages is to keep it not only maturity levels in check, but also, you know, not to have any one child be kind of totally out of their element. Because, you know, an 11-year-old hanging out with 15, 16, and 17-year-olds, even though they're with the, the 13-year-old sibling, it is a different kind of situation, right? And there's a lot of factors that are involved with that. Now, what's interesting is Navigator of the Seas is the first Royal Caribbean ship to actually change up its Adventure Ocean program, which I'll be very interested to see. Basically, for the Adventure Ocean program that is uh, below the teenage program, so we're talking from 3 years to 11 years old, there's no more breaking up of in Aquanauts or... Uh, the Voyagers or Explorers, there's just one large room. So if you actually, if you're a 13-year-old, if the, your kids had been a little younger, this wouldn't have been an issue at all. But still, the teens are a separate area, and that's why I don't have a very good answer for you, Keith, other than to ask and hope for the best. But, um, you know, when it comes to that teen club, it's, it's, it's a little different than we're talking about some of the lower uh, ages over there. So hopefully that answers your question to some extent. I'm not sure. Next, we have an email from Bob Noxious. Great name. Right, so I'll be going on Alert of the Seas in November for the first time. And it's my first time on an Oasis class ship. Since this is Cruise's very early first seating at 5.15 p.m., I booked the reservation with My Time Dining instead. Yep, another first for me as well. In the Cruise Planner, the times for My Time Dining just opened up. Since you advise grabbing reservations early, if you know the days or times you want, I started grabbing a different time for dinner each day based on past cruise compasses and guesses for show times. The cruise planner does not have the reservations for shows yet, but when they do come out, will the system prevent me from booking a show if it thinks I have an overlapping meal? For example, I have a 6.30 p.m. dinner reservation. The show could be at 8 o'clock. The cruise planner calendar shows the meal at 6.30 to 8.30 is my meal. Can I still book that 8 p.m. show when it becomes available? Thanks. Keep up the great work at the podcast. Bob, thanks for the email. And the answer to your question is I think it'll warn you, but it still should allow you to book it nonetheless. As I recall, I've run into a similar situation, Bob, with specialty dining and overlap, essentially, in the cruise planner's eyes. But I think it'll just give you a warning that, like, hey, looks like your show is going to start when you're supposed to be at dinner or vice versa. And uh, it'll still give you the option to book it. So I don't think you'll have run into a problem like a, a physical prevention, more of just a you know friendly reminder that could be an issue. But as you know, Bob, that's not an issue. And also, you can always talk to the wait staff on that day and be like, hey, we got a show at 8 o'clock. Obviously, you're sitting down at 6.30. I mean, 6.30, you should make an 8 o'clock show unless you've really got some slow service. But the wait staff is usually very accommodating for those kind of requests, so I wouldn't worry too much about it. Next, we have an email from Lisa from Seattle, Washington. Writes, hi, Matt. First of all, I can't thank you enough for all of the info you provide to us through your social media accounts, YouTube, live videos and podcasts which i successfully binged every episode i get my hands on in the last seven months let's just say my children know who you are our cruise was on harmony this is the end of the january to celebrate our 10th wedding anniversary we had an ocean view balcony on the 11th floor aft port side no regrets about booking that and i guess for the sake of being brief i just wanted to say we absolutely loved our cruise everything about it we have zero complaints i am a major planner so being able to book shows and meal times and having the app made our trip much easier to navigate when we wanted to do other things or nothing at all. And if I can give one bit of advice to any first-time cruiser who's knee-deep in planning, 
don't let all the negative comments about the food or elevator crowds or disrespectful kids get to you. If we could have looked uh, really closely, I'm sure these things could have bothered us. For example, was the ice cream maker always working? No. We were, were we going to let it ruin our vacation that we paid a lot of money for? Absolutely not. Vacation is what you make of it, and ours was amazing. My husband and I would do it all again in a heartbeat, and we sincerely thank you for helping us achieve the dream vacation we've been waiting for, well, since our honeymoon. We were Royal Caribbean hooked, and now I'm channeling all my post-cruise depression energy into finding our next cruise for us and our three children. Uh, much gratitude. Lisa, thank you so much for the email. I am so glad to hear that this helped you, and more importantly, I would argue that you did not let those little things bug you. And Lisa, I agree a thousand percent with you. Number one thing I tell people, especially first time cruisers is do not read online reviews, period. They serve no benefit. They are entertainment at best, but I think more often than not, they cause problems. I, you can't, I can't tell you how many times I've heard from readers or podcast listeners who have sent me messages and be like, Matt, I just heard all these negative reviews about, you know, insert ship name here. And, you know, I'm, I think I should cancel the cruise. What do you think I should do? And the answer is no, no, don't do First of all, stop reading the reviews. Don't cancel the cruise and ignore all those comments. Cruise ships are not like raiding the Kung Pao chicken at your local Chinese place. It's just not the same thing. And there's a ton of great insight into why online reviews are far from scientific or even a good baseline to what base you know to to look at what cruise ship you should go on it is people make very subjective and quite frankly outrageous claims and complaints all the time right i mean the you know someone who gives a one star review to a cruise there is no cruise there's no royal cream cruise that deserves a one star review we all know that right that's that's being that's just exaggerating and my you know my example i give there's a great article i think it was in the new york times a little while ago about online reviews. And basically, if you go look up, I think it's either on Yelp or Google, but if you search on either one of those, The Great Wall of China, one of the most amazing creations of mankind, right? Certainly, the you know it's, it's one of the top wonders of the world, all time, no question about it. And yet, I think on either Yelp or Google or both, like, it's Star Valley. People have ranked it. I think it's at, like, four point, let's say, 4.1 stars, something like that. Which means some people gave less than five stars to the Great Wall of China. Isn't that absurd? So, cruise ship reviews are far... Don't don't read into them. I My advice is just don't read them at all. It's It, it does you no good. They are not... It, it just It's just going to not only confuse you, but potentially give you anxiety. And second of all... People just, you know, usually when you look at the actual issues people have with a ship, it's always like little small things like that. And it's like, is that really a big deal? And to Lisa's point, I mean, look, if you want to, you can go find problems. I'm sure I could find problems if I really, really wanted to. And I start looking into, you know, what's on this crevice or that corner or is that light bulb cleaned out or, you know, like silly things like that. But why let it why let it ruin your vacation either on board or even before your cruise? So I agree a thousand percent. I'm really glad you brought that up because I think, unfortunately, it is something that a lot of people uh, harp on. And I always try to convince them, look, I, I know it sounds weird, but just ignore them. <laughs> Next email from uh, Leona Ritz. I know you have tons of experience with Adventure Ocean, so I was hoping you'd give me some advice. My seven-year-old nephew will be joining a cruise together with the rest of my family on Oasis of the Seas early next year. Woohoo! However, he does not speak English, so my family is from Finland, so I think this may pose some challenges with Adventure Ocean. Would there be any benefit to signing him up for Adventure Ocean, or is the experience really tied to understanding the staff and or other kids? 
He gets along great with other kids, but I'm worried the language barrier could prove to be too big a hurdle. Well, that's a really good question. I would tell you, first and foremost, you should absolutely still go to Adventure Ocean and talk with the staff there. You know, um, there I would I know in my experience, I've seen other kids who do not speak English natively. Uh, I think, obviously, if you're talking, ultimately, let's put it this way, ultimately, this really depends on the staff that's there, right? You know, I've seen people, some kids there who maybe speak Spanish, but usually there's at least one or two or more crew members who do speak Spanish, so that's not necessarily an issue. But I would definitely bring it up with them. You'd be surprised how varied the Adventure Ocean staff is. They're not all from the United States. Even though English is definitely the the official language on board a Royal Caribbean ship, and certainly it'll be the default language, it's not to say that you might not find an Adventure Ocean staff member who does speak Finnish. Or there's some other option there, I'm not sure. But I would definitely speak to the Adventure Ocean staff. Go there for the open house. That'll be on day one. And then kind of, you know, say, look, this is the situation. Is this going to be, is there a possibility? Or is it really just not, you know, in the, in the, you know, in the card, so to speak. But I wouldn't write it off without at least checking in. That'd be my advice. Uh-huh. Next, we have an email from Hope Burdine of Greenville, South Carolina. Right, time out. Thanks for our, our cruise fix on land. My husband and I are selling out of Fort Lauderdale uh, in April on a Sunday. We will have Saturday free and want to go watch the ships leave port. Do you have any recommendations? When we cruise out of Port Canaveral, we have an early dinner at Fish Lips for Sailways looking for something similar if possible. Hope, thank you very much for the email here. And I have watched ships leave from the uh, Port Everglades area. It's kind of cool. And what's nice about this, if you do come into a cruise port a uh, day early or more, you have the opportunity to go over to the port. It's kind of cool thing to see other cruise ships leave. It's very fun because you can see a lot of different ships and pretty close up to it, might I add. Um, I guess when we're talking about, let's talk about the answer your question more specifically, Hope. There are no restaurants in the park similar to what Port Canaveral has. Port Canaveral is, has a unique setup where there's a number of restaurants that are right on the channel. So it's very easy to sit at one of these bars or restaurants outside and watch ships leave from the comfort of your chair and maybe even a drink in hand. When it comes to Port Everglades, there aren't restaurants there. Directly on the water, I should say. Certainly, you can go to... The, there's a there's a state park that's available to you that you can visit. The name of the park is the Dr. Von D. Mizzleula Johnson State Park. It's a, it's a mouthful. But it allows you, among other things, to go check out the ships leaving from there. It's very easy to get in. There's parking available. There's obviously a fee associated with, with getting in there as a state park. But that's the place to go see the ships. It's the best and easiest place to go see the ships coming and going. Just put that in Google. Um, I... I actually, when I Googled it, I forgot the name because the it's not a very easy name to remember. But if you just Google Port Everglades State Park, you will find Dr. Von D. Mizzleula Johnson State Park there. And that's easy to go. And then what I would recommend is you just basically, I'm not sure you can bring alcohol into the park. Maybe you can. I'm not sure if you look at the rules there. But I would probably plan on having dinner and drinks either, probably after. That way you can uh, celebrate uh, somewhere else in Fort Lauderdale, maybe going down to Los Olas Boulevard and checking out that area. But there isn't a complete setup in the same way as Port Canaveral. Port Canaveral's, I'm trying to think if there's anything that's really, that that rivals that, because uh, Tampa does not, not that I can think of. I mean, there's the aquarium. You could go have a drink there, but I'm not sure that really counts. Uh, You've got Port Miami. And again, there are some places along the channel, but I'm thinking of Dodge Island, which is where where all the cruise terminals are. I don't recall seeing one there. Um, I'm not saying they don't exist, but I just haven't. It's just nothing. There is nothing nearly as convenient as Port Canaveral. Because Port Canaveral, you can literally just go right up to the uh, these bars or lounges, and you're right next to the ship. In fact, Terminal One in Port Canaveral is right next to uh, a number of the bars and lounges. It's really, really nice. There's 
It's kind of interesting there's something that really rivals that in the other ports that I can think of. I'm sure I'm forgetting one and someone's sending a nasty email right now. <laughs> Not a helpful email right now saying, Matt, you're totally wrong. But I love those emails because I want to get the right information out there. So Next, we have an email from Christopher, a.k.a. CPATVing from Texas. Right, so Matt, first, I love the podcast. So informative. I'm looking at booking my first suite on Enchantment of the Seas for next fall. We usually book balconies and go on seven-night cruises, but since this is only a five-night, I thought, why not go for a grand suite? Two questions. First, I see pictures of a coffee machine. Can you provide any details on what they provide as I am a coffee nut and I drink it all day long? Is it a single-serve machine or does it allow you to make a pot of coffee? Will they provide as much coffee supplies as you need or do they refresh it when they clean the room? Uh, let's start with the first question. It is a single-serve coffee machine. It's pretty basic, I guess is the best way to put it. It's not a coffee pot as in like one you'd have, like a Mr. Coffee machine. It more resembles a Keurig. It's, I don't think it's quite a Keurig, as I recall. I don't think I've ever used it because inevitably I just end up getting my coffee elsewhere on the ship. Um, you know, I'm on a cruise ship. I'm going to let someone else make my coffee for me. It's kind of my idea. Uh, but, I, you know, it, it certainly works. They do provide you with some basic uh, amenities to start with. And I... Th- I gotta think they, re- they resupply the coffee machine as you need. Your saber tenant will do it as they clean the room. As an example, I sometimes will steal the spoon that comes with the coffee machine to mix other drinks that we're using or for whatever. There's usually a need for a spoon, and I always forget spoons. So anyway, and then magically a new spoon appears there every time the saber tenant comes there. I suspect the the, co- the coffee that comes there is probably replenished in the same way. And secondly, Christopher wants to know, do you know any details on the upcoming refurbishment as I see Royal Caribbean's websites show a change in deck plans after April 2019? So for Enchantment of the Seas, don't expect any major changes. Uh, I'm not familiar with any. Nothing's been published. But, you know, there's two kinds of refurbishments when we talk about Royal Caribbean. There are, like, under the hood, there are dry docks, and then there are amplifications, right, revitalizations. And what we we just heard in this episode about Navigator of the Seas is amplification. New venues, new amazing things, uh, water slides and pool deck changes. Whereas Dry Docks, which is what Enchantment of the Seas likely is scheduled for, is more just maintenance. They don't really add a whole lot of stuff there. And quite frankly, looking at the roadmap for Royal Caribbean's plans, the Vision class is not among them. I mean, there's not... The ships are not that large. There's not a whole lot of opportunity to really reinvest in them. They, they've gotten a lot of love over the years. Don't get me wrong. It's not like these are the original ships in their original form when they first came out of the dry dock. So, Or out of the shipyard, I should say. So, uh, it's not to say that you should look at it negatively. It's a great ship, and the value of it is uncomparable. So, I think you'll have a great time. And a Grand Suite is a really nice way to splurge. i got to tell you, I've stayed in Grand Suites before. Love the extra space. Really makes a nice difference right there. We have time for one last email, and it is from Michelle, who writes, Hi, Matt. I stumbled upon your blog, and it is fantastic. We're a family of five. I was wondering if you could recommend any of the Royal Caribbean ships that would be the most affordable. For example, we could fit all in one room. I know that Norwegian Epic was recommended to me as it has rooms for five, but really like to sail with Royal Caribbean. Michelle, thanks for the email. Number one thing. I, I know you're asking for room with for five, but I would actually tell you not to do that. It's a much better value if you could actually get two smaller rooms that are either adjacent, connecting, or just near each other in general. I'm not sure who's in this family of five. Like, if you have very young kids, uh, if you're like, then my wife would probably say, oh, you need to be in a room that's connecting where there's a common door between the two rooms. Uh, if you have older kids or you're traveling with other adults or whatever, then you can obviously have a room maybe that's just next to each other without a connecting door or just nearby, right? One or two doors down, something like that. And the reason why I recommend this is it gives you, number one, separation. And if, again, if we're talking about kids here, I love my kids, Michelle. I love to cruise with my kids. I don't really enjoy sleeping in the same room. <laughs> so there's that. And number two, and I would argue even more importantly, by getting two rooms, you get two 
bathrooms, which is a really big deal if you ask me. So that's a better thing. The reason why I'm also advocating this, Michelle, is because when you get to a room that can accommodate five people, generally speaking, we're talking about suites. It's not to say there aren't rooms that can accommodate five people in a lower category. They do exist. Uh, sometimes they are, they're usually referred to as family category rooms, so like family ocean view rooms, something and whatnot. It really does depend, but um, they're, they're few and far between. And again, I think it's still a better value, especially when you look at the price of, you know, two ocean view or two balcony rooms compared to getting a suite. Oftentimes, it's a lot cheaper to go in that direction. So I would steer you into the option of picking two rooms there. And certainly, if you're looking for whichever Royal Cream ship we're talking about, they're all really, really nice. I would tell you that it really depends when you're picking your ship. This is a really common question, you know, what ship is good for me? It really depends what you're looking for in the ship. Are you looking for water slides? Are you looking for a classic cruising experience? Are you looking for Broadway shows? Are you looking for the best dining on board? Are you looking for a ship that can get you to certain ports of call? These are all questions that, unfortunately, I can't answer for you, but that will dictate it. First and foremost, there is not one ship in the fleet I do not recommend. I think it really boils down to what are you looking for, Michelle, in your ship? And that will dictate. I mean, today's episode was about Navigator this season. Navigator is not the newest ship in the fleet. Granted, it's the newest refurbished ship in the fleet, but it's not the biggest. And it doesn't offer Broadway shows, and it doesn't offer a a zip line, you know. And it, you know, there's, but it does offer certain things that other ships don't offer, like water slides. In fact, as we mentioned, it's the only ship in the fleet now to offer the 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 Riptide and the Blaster water slide. Uh, You know, it it has its own special brand, if you will of entertainment and offerings but again it depends what you're looking for and what you're interested in doing michelle so uh i guess i hope that answers your question or points you at least in the right direction but again look at the two room options if you really are uh dead set on a room that can can accommodate all five of you then i would definitely look at there are these family rooms that exist usually they're in the front or rear of the ship and again, the names may have changed with every, it seems like they change names all the time, recategorization and whatnot, but there's usually like, they're either called family, like family ocean view rooms or family something interior rooms, or now they're called maybe like, like ultra spacious or extra spacious rooms. Uh, again, the other thing I would recommend if you haven't done this already, Michelle, work with a good travel agent. They can really do all this footwork for you and then just lay out, here are all the options, Michelle, you've got this, 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 and this, and they can really find a great choice for you. Uh, travel agents are just so, so helpful, especially in situations like this. So thank you, Michelle, for the email. Thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. If you're looking for more Royal Caribbean news information fun, check out royalcaribbeanblog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again real soon.